Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, everyone. My name is Megan, and welcome to Genealogy Explorer, the podcast where we dive into the family history of listeners just like you. Today, we have a special guest on the podcast with over a million followers. She has grown her massive following online with her gravestone restoration videos and genealogy work. I have the pleasure of introducing Alicia, better known as Lady Tafos. Thank you so much for coming on here today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I would love to go into, first of all, your username, Lady Tafos. Um, I know you do gravestone restoration videos, and I'm sure that has a, a background meaning to uh, go behind that. So what exactly does uh, Tafos mean? Uh, the Lady Tafos mean? Yes, yes. It means um, grave in Greek. Mm-hmm. Um, lady, I guess, lady of the graves is kind of how I figured it would come together. So. Oh, that's perfect. I <laughs> uh, thought it was catchy. That's a perfect name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't putting a lot of thought into it. So I thought, okay, well, it's grave related. Um, I didn't think it would stick. Mm -hmm. Of course, I didn't think it would get this far. (laughs) Well, it's, it's perfect. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it really like those, the short and catchy names are usually the ones that tie people in and lets people know what they're about to watch. Um, I know you do so much restoration for gravestones. You clean them up, make them look brand new. Some of them are like, you know, a hundred years old and you may, you know, makes them look beautiful afterwards. But I'd really like to know um, what is that process of restoring a gravestone, including the permission that goes with it and uh, the research process and the cleanup process and all of that. First thing that I do is I try to find whoever is in charge of the cemetery. It might be a church. It could be um, a private owner. The one that I usually work in is a public cemetery that's uh, maintained by, by the town that um, I live near and I just contacted the caretaker of that cemetery, explained to him what I wanted to do and how I was gonna go about doing it and that I was gonna do it for free. (laughs) That was a big thing. Um, You know, I was like, well, how much is this gonna cost? And I'm like, well, I just wanna do it for fun. And he was like, well, that's kind of a strange thing to do for fun, but come on in here, you know, that's pretty much the reception I got, so, um, and I just quietly go in there, and um, everybody wants to know how I choose, and I don't really know how to explain that, because sometimes it's a process, and sometimes somebody contacts me, and it's like, can you clean this? Sure, no problem, but I kind of wander around aimlessly, (laughs) to, to be honest, a lot of times, and I just pick whichever one looks super dirty or, you know, just uh, maybe the ones that are isolated, I tend to gravitate towards the most. And when I walk Mm -hmm. up to it, I check it to make sure it's, it's stable. And then um, using the materials that, um, that I bring with me, the supplies that I bring with me, I just start working. So what um, materials do you use uh, depending on the stone obviously there are some that are worse than others but typically what are you using to clean off the stones the main product that I use and the the biggest expense is called d2 biological solution and there are many people out there who Mm -hmm. use other maybe more affordable products but they aren't tested or uh 
and and they haven't gone through um, I guess the scientific tests to um, prove that it's safe and not harmful to the environment and the stone and the person using it. So D2 has gone through those tests. Um, so that's what is the number one recommended product for cemetery conservators. So that's what I use. Um, and in combination with um, soft bristle brushes, natural bristles, think um, if you wouldn't use it on your car or your mom's china dishes, then you don't want to use it on a gravestone. Right. Um, I also use plastic paint paint scrapers or putty knives, nothing metal. The plastic, um, a lot of people have some confusion with this, that the plastic actually wears away. Um, and a, I, I have worn scrapers down to the nub because as, as I use it on the stone, it wears the plastic away and not the stone. So it's, you know, in some instances you might not use it. I also use bamboo skewers to um, just like what you get at your, in your grocery store for, for cooking and things like that. Garden sprayers for um, spraying water. And that's really it. Cause you know, the, I think the biggest challenge is water because a, a lot of cemeteries don't have a water supply. So you need to figure out a way to transport the water. Uh, found that, you know, obviously old milk jugs work great, but uh, kitty litter containers are fabulous for that. Interesting. And you can carry, you can sometimes carry, you know, if you can manage to carry 35 pounds worth of water, some of them will hold that much. So, um, you know, it's efficient way to get it, get it done. But those, those are the supplies. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty minimal as far as what, you know, what you need and what objects you would need to, to complete the job. Mm -hmm. Plus the D2 um, will also work without any of the other stuff you can, it's formulated to work over time. So you can literally spray it on a marker. The cleanings is seasonal marker and say October when the season's getting ready to, to end with, right. with the cold weather. And then you come back in the spring and it's like a completely new stone. So this, those are the fun ones. It's interesting how it's uh, a lot more simple than people think it is. I know I see your comments a lot and I see a lot of people who are like, mm -hmm. why don't you use a power washer on gravestones that are over a hundred years old, um, which obviously would destroy, I feel like would deteriorate the stone. Right. I see that a lot, <laughs> which uh, people just think it'll just yes. blow it off. <laughs> um, well, the simple answer is that you just want to be gentle. Mm -hmm. We look at, we look at things from a modern perspective, I think way, 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 way too much, but that's a whole different topic. But um, a historic gravestone from 1875 was not meant to withstand modern power tools. This is likely not even carved with a power tool. It was likely hand carved. These stones that they used are marble and uh sandstone and and things like that and you wouldn't take a power washer to you know your mom's marble floor or mm -hmm. countertop or whatever it might be it's just it, it risks it's too strong and it risks damage to the stone and the the motto of cemetery conservators is do no harm so want to approach everything that you do from the gentlest most most effective and least harmful way of preservation uh, possible. Yeah, that's a good mindset to have because you don't want to go in there and just 
accidentally destroy gravestones. Even if your intentions are good, you don't want to accidentally um, make it worse. <laughs> right. And there are, there are several people who do this with methods that are not um, really approved methods. Uh, they'll use power washing or uh, detergents that aren't recommended. Like don't use Dawn dish soap. Don't use Clorox. Don't use... 409 from your kitchen um you know they just <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and a lot of historic cemeteries especially in new england they have even prohibited doing rubbings on the surface and the thing to keep in mind is that anything that you do to the surface of that stone these these stones aren't sealed or protected in any way so anything you do to mm -hmm. the surface of it erodes the surface of it. So you want to limit that contact as much as possible. So a lot of instances, you wouldn't even take a scrub brush to the front or, the, or any part of certain markers because it could potentially harm the integrity of what is already there. And sometimes restoring is not about making it look new. It's just about preventing it from degrading further also. So at least with the, with the um, cemetery situation. So, right. You see, it's interesting. You bring up the whole rubbing thing. Like I, I know, especially when I was a kid, uh, we would sometimes even like would as a class, we would go to gravestones and we'd like would do the rubbing with um, the pencils and all that and the paper on on gravestones. And that was just a totally normal thing. Um, but, you know, we don't even think about the fact that that does mm -hmm. contribute to some eroding on the stones, even if it doesn't feel like a lot because it's just a pencil and a paper, but it can do a lot of damage over the years. Right. I mean, it's, it's like one of those things over time, you know? Um, so we just try not to mm -hmm. try not to do anything today. Like in New England, you're going to have markers that are date back to, you know, the 17th century, 16, late 1600s, 1700s to think about taking a modern day dish brush to the surface of one of those, you know, yeah, you might hesitate. So, you know, even taking a piece of chalk and rubbing it up and down could cause particles of the stone to erode away. So they just, you know, maybe not so much on, you know, those big thick granite ones, you know, that are modern and polished, but we're talking in the historic sense. And that typically tends to be the, what I gravitate to in my area is the older ones. Um, I, they, they're the ones that are forgotten. Right. See, I, I've, I've noticed that the, a lot of uh, the ones I've seen you do are especially around like the 1800s era. Mm -hmm. Yes. What I'd like to know is uh, initially what sparked your interest in um, beginning cleaning and restoring these gravestones in your area? Um, initially, what attracted me to it was that, uh, well, I've always been a genealogist, I feel like my whole life since I was a, an adolescent. And while my kids were with their dad for the summer, I was really trying to focus a lot more of my research in this area, my family in this area. And I came across cemetery conservation and someone else cleaning a grave marker. And I was very drawn to it. And it, it 
it was just something I, I had to do. Like, you know, I was, a, I'm not well off by any means. So I was like, well, I'm going to find whatever extra money I can and buy me the supplies to do this. So that's what I did. And it rained for two weeks. So, <laughs> of course. Um, when I finally got out to go clean, it was the best thing. Yes, it was really enjoyable. How long have you been doing this for? Uh, right about three years now. Oh, wow. About how many gravestones do you think that you've restored in that time? Uh, probably, I want to say 200 or so, which in the conservator community is really not very many. <laughs> but for me, I have done this as a personal therapy of sorts. More, more than you know, a lot of people do this is, is it was, it's their business, it's their um, livelihood, it's a, a personal mission to restore an entire cemetery. And things are certainly growing in many different directions for me at this point, but my beginnings were very selfish. <laughs> I, I hate to put it that way, but they were very, very selfish. This was, this was not about, it did not cross my mind that anyone would care enough to think that it was something for the community or for others. Like, because I was literally like, this is for me. And if you were keeping me from it, I was not happy about it. If some, like I cut my hand one day when I was oh, getting wow. ready to go out, cut my hand really badly to the point where I couldn't go. So I was mad for a couple of days. It's just odd that things have turned into, you know, turned, turned into this at this point. I did act, uh, I, I don't, I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. It was for myself and to try and get into a place where I was not so defensive with the world around me because my divorce and the ensuing custody battle were really, really ugly. So it's a lot to cope with. Well, it's still, even if it's for relatively selfish reasons, like using it as personal therapy, that's still, oh, you yes. know, better, that's a better thing to do than a lot of other things. And it does really help with the community in general and help with families and stuff yes. who haven't been able to go out there and restore their family gravestones. But uh, that, that is amazing though, that um, you were able to find some form of peace um, through that. And I know um, you do uh, do some research on your gravestones. Um, I'm just kind of curious, what do you, what, uh, if you can think off the top of your head, maybe uh, what's probably the oldest gravestone that you've gotten to restore? The oldest two actually happen to be my sixth great grandparents. Um, they, uh, the name, first name is, is escaping me because there's like 10 of them of the same name, <laughs> uh, but they're Owens, uh, last name was Owen and they're buried. <laughs> In Huddleston, Virginia, they uh, were uh, passed in 1820 and 1821, respectively. Wow. So, yeah, they actually, there's nothing really to them. They just look like giant hunks of quartz. They're very rudimentary, like flagstone type, you know, things just kind of stuck mm -hmm. up in the ground, but, and, and hand carved, the dates are hand carved with initials. So, um, and these were actually reburials because where I live, there's this lake here that's actually, you know, it was a hydroelectric project back in the sixties. And when they built that, 
the power company went through uh, where it was going to be flooded and tried to locate as many of the cemeteries and mm-hmm. graves as they could and relocate them um, per family requests and things like that. So mm-hmm. we have a lot of burials out here that are not in their original locations, but those, I don't, I haven't shown any of, I haven't shown any of those on my videos, just the, just the oldest ones, but I didn't start filming until October, like actually videoing the cleaning. So I was just taking photos of the Mm -hmm. before and after, and it never crossed my mind to film it (laughs) in in this respect. So that's different. Well, that, that raises an interesting question then, because I know you started uploading these restoration videos on TikTok. Um, I get, I know, you know, and since then, since I guess October, you've gained a massive following that way. Um, has that affected your work at all? Have you gotten like many like individual requests from people, things like that? How does, how has it affected uh, that? How's it affected my work? Yeah. It has affected it. Uh, at first, uh, it was a bit of an adjustment. I'm not going to lie, because I'm a very... I'm introverted by nature, mm-hmm. but um, I was really scared. <laughs> I'll be honest. I was like, um, this is it because it happened so fast. And, and then, you know, like I said, I had a really nasty divorce and mm-hmm. I was so used to everything I did being twisted and turned against me. Like I was, I had this you know, a couple of weeks where I was really panicked and afraid (laughs) of what kind of repercussions I was going to have as far as that went. And then I kind of was like, well, I don't really care. I'm going to, you know, (laughs) this is my truth. And this is, this is, you know, my story. And this is, you know, what's out there. I can't, I can't stop it. So I can, but I can either sit here and do this or control the narrative. And so that kind of rejuvenated me once I shifted my attitude. And then I was ready to go back out in the cemetery because while in the beginning, I felt a little like, what have I done now? Now it's not for me. (laughs) Now, Mm -hmm. now I messed up. Now I've taken something that was just mine and feel like I felt like pressure of doing it for everyone else. And then when I had that realization, like, you know, it's like, it's like this fear, you know, I just had a sense of calm. I was like, this is what you're supposed to do. Like, this is it. And like, if your ex-husband wants to cause drama with you over this, like, let him, you've got a billion people on your side. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a great way of looking at it. (laughs) Dived into it and. Yeah, I I dived into it and like now I'm I'm eager and I'm excited and and I feel I guess refreshed and you know I never stopped loving it or wanting to do it but I feel revitalized towards it in a sense. Mm-hmm. It's not just about the gravestones and teaching other people how to clean or anything, but it's really been like once I started to tell a little bit of my story, people are like. I mean, I, I think I can do this too. I need something like things in my life have been hard. My divorce is awful. You know, you, you know, that that's made it worth it for me. It's like, just, I felt so hopeless, like having, having this activity and then having this activity through COVID 
Oh yeah. Has been a lifesaver. It's saved my mental health. It's, it's just saved my sanity so many times as crazy as it sounds. Yeah. Well, no, it makes, I couldn't it makes get sense. along with the living. So spend my days <laughs> hanging out with the dead. You know, they don't do anything. <laughs> you know? that's, yeah, that's, I totally understand. <laughs> but that. in a sense, that's what I've been doing my whole life. I'm sure, you know, you know, yeah. playing with the dead, <laughs> I'm living in their stories. And, you know, that's all I, I feel like I've ever really enjoyed doing. I feel I feel the same way because I obviously have my own genealogy channel going on so I'm spending all day looking at documents of people who like died 300 years ago and looking at pictures and gravestones and Mm -hmm. so I I totally get that I spend more time thinking about dead people than I do thinking about people who are alive right now so um I I definitely understand yes (laughs) that is um that you know what that resonates oh yes that's me I'm just and Yes. And I have some people are like, how big is your family tree on Ancestry? And I'm like, which one? I have like, I can't even count how many pages and pages. And well, because at this point, any, any gravestone I find, I'm, you know, some of them, you know, I'm sure you, I'm sure you've experienced some, some people are just hard. You, I mean, you put it plug in and data for them and you, you just can't get anywhere. Mm -hmm. And you know, so I'll, I'll build a tree for somebody and they, and they, and they sit, you know, and I'll have like six people hanging out there just waiting for something to break through. But I, I must have, uh, I've lost count, but I, I'll build a tree for almost every grave. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are in my own family tree because my roots here, my family history goes back here many, many generations. So um, we were here for the early years of this county so mm-hmm. a lot of them are distant cousins or some aants and uncles here or there wow. so you were like accidentally like restoring your own then, family uh gravestones yes <laughs> oh yes I actually posted I posted one um I guess it's been a month or two now uh Lillian Lillian Mary Bays and her stone was so beautiful and I drove past it for weeks and weeks I was like man I bet that's gonna be a good one I bet it and I finally just you know, went and cleaned it up one day. And as I was washing it, I kept looking and it said the wife of J.O. Bays. And I'm like, why J.O., J.O., J.O.? And I just kept saying this over. And I said it, you know, like all day, it was like echoing in my head, J.O. Bays, J.O. Bays. So I go home and I type J.O. Bays in, in the ancestry and mm-hmm. up comes this guy. And then there's Lillian. And then I realized, oh, Lillian was my great, great grandmother's cousin. So then I'm putting, oh my figuring gosh. all this stuff out. And <laughs> yeah. And I had cleaned her father's grave and another cemetery already. So yeah, it's, it's gotten to the point where things come full circle. Now I had her lady reach out to me last week. She's like, can you check on this plot and clean some of the markers there? And I was like, actually, I think I've already cleaned three or four. (laughs) (laughs) I knew exactly where they were. That was pretty neat. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) I want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. 
whether Rare Deadstock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for, as the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity. And it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Well, I know um, that you said you do research for almost every single gravestone uh, that you're working on. Uh, are there any interesting people besides obviously you're finding out you're related to the people in the grave? Uh, is, are there any interesting people that really stand out that you've researched? Uh, yes, I have an uncle who um, was a Confederate, I don't call them war heroes here, who was a Confederate soldier, mm-hmm. um, ended up being appointed a uh, achieving the rank of a colonel and he was a sheriff here in our county and ultimately became treasurer this is post-war during the reconstruction and there's a general William Mahone who is not typically talked about much when it comes to confederate history because even though he was a confederate general during um, reconstruction after the war he was very um, active uh, a proponent for black um, advancement in society and their advancement with education and, and everything else. So mm-hmm. he was really despised um, <laughs> wow. in the Southern states. And he, my uncle, John, John Casey, he gets in some trouble um, here locally as treasurers and mishandled some funds. And this general got wind of um, his troubles and he needed a favor with an ele- with the election that was taking place at the time. It's a lot more details to it than that, obviously. But um, told my uncle, like, "Hey, if you if you help me win my election, I'll help you get out of your trouble with with the county here." And they rubbed elbows, and things didn't work out in their favor. Mm-hmm. And my uncle ended up having to flee, and he fled the county and the state and hid somewhere in the Midwest. And he was gone for many, many years until the county petitioned the court and said, we forgive him. He can come home now. And he moved back and they appointed him commissioner of the revenue. And he lived out of his life here. They wrote his obituary and made him out to be this wonderful, you know, fabulous guy. And like nothing, none of that ever was spoken of again (laughs) until I come along. Right. And then you find out all the information. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah. I'm like, oh, let's, yeah, this, this guy's really great. No, sorry. Uncle John was not, not that great a dude. Like he just was not a good guy. That's funny. That's interesting. I've, I've ran into um, certain things on my family tree, like finding out, you know, things about my relatives that aren't super uh, great. And I'm just like, oh, well, Mm -hmm. you know, what are you going to do? 
but you know it's interesting finding out some personal things about these people who a lot of people forget are real actual people even though they were you know around 200 years ago and you know they do you know sometimes they do bad things sometimes they do good things and you know that's that can sometimes be documented and you can find that uh during your um, family tree research and sometimes uh, like I said, sometimes there are bad things and you just kind of have to go, yep, that's that's that, I guess. And there's nothing you can really do about it, but it makes it more interesting, I think. Instead of just finding census records, you know, you can find stories. Yes, I have found some truly brutal things in my family tree. And uh, yeah, it's it's tough sometimes. So and I know I tell people, I'm like, if you have, if you're one of these people who you really are passionate about a soothing and calm vernacular communication than anything that has to do with history, genealogy, or yeah. any of that stuff. It's just not for you. And you should probably just not look at it and just look move yeah. forward to the future. <laughs> I have had way too many people out there who like to pick fights over vernacular and, and word usage and stuff. And it's like, you know, if you're going to be sensitive because somebody talks about an uncle who unalived mm-hmm. itself or um, so using the word slave, when we're talking, when we're talking about a, a will that is uncomfortable to read, you know, those are the things that you have to face when you do this kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's very humbling. <laughs> it's just very humbling though. I enjoy it. I wouldn't trade this passion for anything else in the world. Oh yeah. It's, it's a lot of it with genealogy. A lot of people don't know what they're getting into and a lot of it's, you know, not, it's not fun to read about. I mean, it is fun, but it's not fun in a sense of like, Oh, this is great. This is like all sunshine and rainbows. And, you know, sometimes you really have to like look into the history because history is oftentimes pretty brutal Um, especially people in the uh, southern United States whenever people ask me oh can you look into my family tree and I'm like well you know once we start getting into the 1800s it's gonna get pretty rough so I'm just gonna tell you how it is and tell you what's going on but um, yeah a lot of people sometimes people don't you know want to look into that kind of side of it Um, but that just you know that it just isn't for them then you know you can look at you know you can go back as far as you can but if you actually want to know about people themselves um then you kind of have to just accept the fact that they probably did things that you know aren't great and but it's part of history and it's not going to change right that's exactly right yeah that's uh that's you said that's on that's on your family tree that was your um well like a like great great uncle or something like that yeah that's super fascinating, though. I know you're uh, located in Virginia, so you probably have a lot of um, Civil War history. And I know uh, probably a lot of uh, the gravestones that you're researching are probably, um, you know, from the 1800s. So they probably have um, Civil War ties as well. Is that correct? Yes. Oh, yes. Well, I know uh, you said that you do um, genealogy work for your own family history, um, besides, obviously, uh, your the confederate uncle is there anything else uh, that stands out or is super interesting that you'd like to share because i always love talking about um people's ancestors and cool stories that go with them oh uh most of the stories i have are tragic <laughs> that's fine most of mine are too yeah most of mine are tragic um i actually uh got the um state parks here involved in something that i discovered um the smith mountain lake state park here has a visitor center. It's like a 
I referred to it earlier, they flooded a lot of uh, farmlands here, farmlands that had been in families for generations. And when um, they did that, they established a visitor center, the state park, and tried to tell a story of the people who had used to live on the land where the state park was. So I started... I started focusing my research in on these people and discovered that the WPA report from the 30s that talked about their home was wrong. Oh, wow. (laughs) It was giving directions to a house that's still standing today. It's the directions are telling you to go to a part in the north count of our county and the person they were attributing to the home to and where the state park is located is in the south part of the county. So I started digging and doing a lot more research. And then I was like, oh, well, they're talking about this plantation house that is within the boundaries of the state park that it's burned up, but the shell is still there. Oh, it belonged to this guy. He was a Confederate war captain and he was wounded in Gettysburg and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, this guy is you know, my family, you know, um, go looking, looking him up and mm-hmm. no, he wasn't, he wasn't a captain. He was, he served in the civil war. Um, he was a teamster. He was not a captain. No, he was not a Gettysburg. No, no, he, he didn't die an honorable death. He mm-hmm. actually committed suicide on a train track in front of several little girls by slitting his own throat. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> That's completely wrong. Oh my God. So I'm over here and looking at my state parks visitor display going, this stuff is not right. Um, so, so I ended up uh, back and forth with them because the people in there were like, Oh, he's not going to be receptive to you. He's a, he's a jerk. And I was like, well, that's really nice of you to say about your boss. So I had some back and forth with them on that. And then like a year later, they called me and was like, yeah, we're going to go ahead and fix that. Well, actually, what was funny was like six weeks later, they sent um, their researcher to the local library to verify the information that I gave them. And the re- the librarian there called me to come help them <laughs> with their research <laughs> on the stuff. <laughs> so oh it was pretty interesting how that came full circle for me too. <laughs> so my question is, so they, obviously your research was correct. Uh, did they end up using all of that information um, in there? I don't know. <laughs> um, now they were in the process of planning their uh, renovations and updates to that visitor center. So I don't know how far they went with it. Um, but I do know that they were planning to correct the misinformation about the gentleman, the war captain or whatever, because yeah, that was, that was a pretty blatant thing. <laughs> so yeah, That's completely wrong. So they can't really have that on there. Yeah. So and, and the thing is, is they had taken that information that that man had, had a son who was a big railroad tycoon and a book was written about him by his nephew. And they, you know, he tells this really lovely painted up story about their family and nobody wants to admit that their grandfather offed himself in such a horrible way. So, right. They just didn't even discuss it. Oh, oh, Captain Cunningham died. But, you know, somebody get call, would be called Captain or 
given a title for a lot of different reasons, not necessarily because they were a captain. Um, so we figure it was just something that, you know, conveniently left out by family. And so the state parks, when they put their stuff together, they just went by what the family said. Why would they lie? Why would right. they keep? Yeah. So I, I don't trust anything anybody says. I'm like, I need to see it in black and white or with my own two eyes. Oh, I, I do that all the time, especially on Ancestry, uh, like all those potential father, potential mother things. I'm like, uh-uh, I need like document-based evidence. I'm not going to believe someone else's tree unless I see it myself. Yes. So yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely go, always go with the documents, always go with the newspapers and always go with, you know, whatever you can find physical proof instead of he said, she said from family members, basically a giant game of telephone that goes through um, the generations of what happened to what relatives. I just always want the document-based research first. Yes. But no, that is, um, that is fascinating. I wonder whenever they're going to do um, the, the update with the information, how much of that information they're going to put in there. But um that is that is crazy though that you basically just went in there and fact checked them and went nope that's wrong yeah so I I do that more times than I can count I get really frustrated when I see my own things coming back to me as hints too oh my gosh I hate that I like here's a cool photo of your great grandmother and I'm like yes I uploaded that thank you (laughs) like thank you so much that helps I wish ancestry would kind of prohibit in some way that free downloading of images from one to another. I feel like the things that someone uploads on their own should have some kind of different um, privacy setting to them sometimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm all for sharing things freely, but there are some things that I, 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 that's why I keep my tree private. (laughs) I just don't share everything. So but I don't right. upload everything to the internet either. So <laughs> no, yeah, I understand that. I have some things like some of my trees are private. Some of them are public depending on the situation. Cause I have a lot of trees for a lot of different people on there. Probably have like 50 family trees, honestly. Um, but I, I, I um, use other people's trees uh, if they're DNA connected to me, just to see how they're related to me. But most of the time they're, um, it's not not much going sometimes a lot of times they're private trees and all that but i i could see why people would do that because you know otherwise people anyone can just go in there and just take a peek and look at pictures of uh of all your relatives i've had people here lately taking screenshots of my videos and trying to upload that to find a grave and stuff as updated <laughs> shots of the graves and i'm like oh my gosh you know, it's it's just and I had a lady on Facebook who I, I have, I come from a family where they like saved like everything, newspaper articles and like for ever. So when my grandfather passed away, my grandma started sending mm-hmm. me boxes of randomness and I pulled out obituaries clipped from like the year, like ni- 1900, you know, and shared a couple of them online. And this lady, instead of shared them to private groups you know so you're not supposed to share she's saving my stuff and then presenting it on her little facebook page her genealogy facebook page is her own stuff that was not going over well for me so i try to be really i try to share but at the same time there's like this awful feeling that's like like 
why did you why why did you go about it in that way why couldn't you just share it or say Ask for can I share something like can that I, yeah like it was it's just like creepy because I share this obituary I provide all of this com you know commentary to go along with it and someone else just saves the image and then presents it as it's all their own stuff and I was like that would be plagiarism mm-hmm. a- anywhere else so I do I know I yeah. try to I try to soften my stance on that a little bit, but (laughs) sometimes it's, it's a little hard to navigate that one. Oh yeah. I try not to like, I don't use like, if it's, if I can tell it's obviously someone's newspaper clipping or if it's like a picture of like someone else took, obviously I asked for, I asked for permission, but if it's like, you know, from newspaper.com, then that's different. But if it's literally someone's actual photo or scanned image, then that's like a whole different scenario. Mm -hmm. Oh Yes. That's why I, if I'm doing somebody's tree, I try to keep it private. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do newspapers.com and then the, uh, the, the government website with all the newspaper archives as well. That's, that one's really good. Um, but I, I try to find most of my stuff on there and try not, I don't use like other people's work because that just, you know, people get upset about that obviously. And it's basically plagiarism. Like you said, (laughs) I obviously, I thank you for coming on here and spending some time uh talking with me and going over uh your experience with obviously restoring gravestones in your area uh now what would be the best advice you can give to someone who wants to start restoring uh gravestones who wants to who wants to uh maybe start doing that as their own form of cell therapy or uh a hobby or anything like that what would be the best advice you could give to them uh the best advice i could give to them is to make sure they research the proper methods that's it And it's really not as intimidating an activity as some might make it out to be. Um, It's kid friendly. It's family friendly. It's, it's, it's just make sure that you're learning the proper ways to go about doing it because the last thing you want to do is cause any unintentional harm. And, but with that being said, again, don't be intimidated by it. It's a, it's a great thing to do and it's oddly fulfilling. And I just suggest that um, everyone make, takes the time to research the proper methods to do no harm when they go about cleaning gravestones. Well, that sounds good. Thank you so much. Um, like I said, I really appreciate you coming on here. Where can people find you if they want to uh, go follow you? Um, right now I'm on Instagram and I'm on TikTok um, under Lady Tafos. You can find me under, on Facebook um, under my name, Alicia Williams. Thank you so much for coming on here. Um, everyone who's listening, who's made it this far, uh, go follow Alicia on, on TikTok, on Instagram, uh, just to check out the latest grave restoration video. Uh, again, thank you so much for coming on here. Uh, and thank you to everyone who is listening. And I hope to catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.